Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 208, episode 2 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. Sharp-eared listeners will have heard my voice bounce off of the exact contours of our studio. I'm back in studio. And Miles is not, so it doesn't really change anything. But this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Tuesday, October 26, 2021. What we, what are we looking at for World Days? Oh, uh, it's Tuesday the 26th. It's, look, we've got a few. It's National Mule Day. It's National yes, Mincemeat Day. Say no more. National Financial Crime Fighter Day. Hell yeah. Yeah. International Artist Day. Yeah, okay. According Keep to going. my planner, yeah. yes. I mean, I think I think we can all agree that mule and minced meat are the yeah. two that we can all focus on that are relevant to us all here yeah. in this modern and world. And I guess the mule the or the jack in your version, Jack, or a donkey. So yeah. this all this all swirls around. <laughs> I do. Anytime someone mentions a mule, I correct them and say, No, it's a jack. Yeah. Okay. A male donkey's a jack. Yeah. Come on. Oh, I didn't realize a mule is a hybrid between a donkey and a horse. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Damn, I'm ignorant. Okay. Unrep... Like, they can't reproduce, I don't think. But they are the oh. minced meat of animals in the sense that uh, nobody gives them their propers. I am embarrassing myself at the local 4-H club Seriously. not knowing what a mule is. Oh. But yeah, anyways, uh, shout out to artists or whatever. Uh, my name <laughs> is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Making your way through Squid Games takes all the tubes you got. Mm. Living through late stage capitalism sure does suck a lot. Mm. Isn't it time to smoke a J? Sometimes you gotta know anti-vaxxers are insane. Boom, ba -dum, ba -dum. But there comes for sale again. Boom, ba -dum, ba -dum. We can't believe the shit we see. It's the same again and again. We want to be where capitalism dies in flames. That is courtesy of Chauncey Yonders. Uh, I'm detecting some agains in there. So I'm thinking Chauncey, as if the name wasn't enough. Chauncey may be from the UK. But shout out to that man. And I am thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! I got these loose cans in my car, messing up my ride. Cans of Coke and Cold Brew. Loose cans in my car. I'm a ride with you. Cans of empty Cold Brew. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to Pods for the Discord. As I said, my car is a veritable maraca of empty cans. <laughs> uh, passengers, just don't worry about it. You might, I might as well be on a motorcycle because I'm not fitting shit in here. But yeah. thank you, Pods, for that just wonderful, good as hell treatment of that. Yeah, anecdote. that was beautiful. By the way, mm -hmm. I should mention that my AK was a rejected version of Squid Games. Oh. That was going to be their theme song, but they, I they wanted a different I think they direction. made the right decision. By really? The way, yeah, I, I kind of like that. I like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that is pretty good. You that know what I mean? Pretty good. But I do like a Cheers. <laughs> you know, I had had one goal was to get through some squid game this weekend and i did not succeed i i'm just i know i'm gonna have this shit spoiled for me like any moment now and usually i don't give a fuck about spoilers but yeah well because we're where in I the do. phase of the discourse where now people are putting out their like analysis videos right yeah so of course you, as well you they know. should this is my yeah. fault i'm not blaming anyone this Look, is you don't on have to get me mad. that's okay no. you know yeah watch it in your own pace that's what i'm saying I'm, I'm furious with myself. <laughs> uh, Miles, we are thrilled, fortunate, blessed to be joined in our third seat by one of the smartest people. I know she's a producer here in the iHeartRadio LA podcast studio, hey. uh, helping to create shows like Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Heard of she's that. a fabulous writer who you can read at sites like, I don't know, Vulture, the AV Club, Teen Vogue, Paste, The Advocate, and Heard many that. more. She is the brilliant, the talented Joel Moni. Hey, hey, what's up, crew? I miss welcome, your guys' welcome. faces. I know oh. we're back in little screen form today. Yeah, yeah. What's new uh, with you? What's new with you? Oh man, insecure is back, so I feel fulfilled. Insecure takes me back to like when social media was good. You know, right, I don't yeah. mean like altruistically good, but I just mean like you went there and you dumped your feelings, and we were able to make jokes, and yeah. she was it was fun. Social media not fun no more, and I don't like that. But when yeah. Insecure's on, 
get a brief window. People come on. We're talking about the show live as it's happening. Remember when right. we used to do that? Mm-hmm. It's, it's wonderful. It's- yeah, and it's kind of like, especially with this coming back with the final season, I think mm-hmm. it's also reminding people of, like, how TV should be. Oh, and that it should be fucking released one week at a time. The more I have I do, Ooh. I see the binge drops, I'm like, because I've been reading a few articles just about, like, the speed at which we communicate now because yeah. of yeah. the internet. Mm-hmm. We are, like, we're sociologists, I'm like, are actually raising a question of, like, are we talking too much all the time? Yes. And <laughs> As a podcaster, I can confirm, yes, <laughs> yeah. we talk too much. 100%. Please let it stop. But <laughs> the idea that, like, we don't have the same flow of culture when you just do these huge binge drops, because for one week, you can have all this discussion about one episode mm-hmm. for an entire right. week, and then the next one drops, and then people are sort of engaged in, like, the same pace. Whereas now, like, even with Jack talking about Squid Game, it's all over the place. Now you're like, fuck it. Do I even watch anymore because I missed the wave? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's chaos. It's chaos. Yeah. Time to process used to be my bread and butter when I was writing for all of these sites. And like, right. you know, you needed that time to really like break it down and analyze. And it, like, it also helps elevate, I think, like our understanding of the quality of something. The more yes. you start like critiquing it, the more reviews you're reading of it, the more you're like, okay, where do I put this in? Like the pantheon of television shows, like where does it rank? And we can miss that. Like Squid Game is amazing, and I think obviously, you know, has drawn a lot of attention. But in two to three years, how will we remember that show? I don't know. Yeah, we're just gonna remember the sweatsuit. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't think people are because if there were really long times to discuss one episode, people could draw the parallels of the games to like what it's, you know, reflecting in society. Yes. But because of it, it's just super fast paced. Like, Oh shit. Oh, that happened. Ah, ah. <laughs> and then it's just like a very long movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like all the, I was noticing that a lot of the memes were from the first episode, basically. Right. And I, I was like, are they being, are people being, kind and choosing not to spoil which that Mm. could be part of it but i also feel like it was just like once it became a thing people were like oh shit i gotta i gotta get a squid game meme out there and just rushing to market now me i like to live tweet things while i'm watching them mainly just you know (laughs) what is happening on screen i think that's good content (laughs) just Just narrating people, yeah just being like oh shit and like sometimes not even telling them why i'm saying oh shit (laughs) Oh, shit, Gihun going back. He going back yeah. to the game. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. good thing the old man has some ramyun noodles to eat with the soju. Okay. Oh, You're like, this is the worst Twitter feed I've ever seen. <laughs> I like to give a uh, Magic Johnson style vanilla down the middle takes on uh, pop yes. culture as I'm consuming it. I think <laughs> that <laughs> is what Twitter is for. Joel, uh, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, let's tell the listeners a few of the things we will be talking about later yes. in the show when we get to the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about DeSantis. He is welcoming the anti-vax cops with open arms. Mm-hmm. The, those brave heroes, the anti-vax cops, creating some of my favorite just, you know, dramatic, messy content where they're like, these are the boots of our fallen mm. brothers who refused to get the, the vaccine. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about business owners kind of still trying to figure out what 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 changed? What happened? Mm-hmm. We're used to starving people into doing what we asked them to do. What's, they don't what's honor the old ways, yes. only the new. We will talk about whether it matters if the strawberry Pop-Tarts are filled with real strawberries. We... Might get to this David Graeber book that's coming out about the reevaluation of the narrative of history. Mm. But for, we, we do have to talk about Pop-Tarts before we get to that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, of course, Joel Monique, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? I have been obsessively Googling the bull schedule, trying not to miss a game. My father... Wow. And my brother are very excited about this season. We got some new players. It's hot, undefeated. What? Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like a very weird comeback to the Bulls. Because it's not even really about the basketball. Although, you know, I'm like, ooh, fundamentals. Pass that ball. Like, get it to the hoop. Maybe that's an alley-oop. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> but it gives me, you know, I'm a, a, my folks are from Chicago. And growing up in the 90s, the Bulls were everything. My dad 
has been a Bulls fan for life. Doesn't matter what phase the team is in. He's ride or die. Mm-hmm. And something about watching it sort of feels like being reconnected to him. I think specifically mm-hmm. because pandemic and I'm stuck in California and he's, you know, in Illinois and we're not getting to see each other much, especially over the past, like, you see my father for a handful of days over the past four years. So it's been hard. So it's nice to like have something that happens, you know, once, maybe twice a week where we're like sort of checking in, you know, about something very frivolous too. It's not like, oh, I have news or something to update you on. And it's kind of been a lovely experience. Yeah. That's also, yeah. And it's, it's, see, that's like your TV show that you can watch with your dad where here's the episode is the game. You have your takes and then, yeah, keep the conversation going. Oh man, I wish... I, it's it's nice to see the the bulls, you know, uh, looking good. I'm not mad at that at all. It's it's heavenly. And yeah. yet, to your point, there's not a lot of intergenerational TV shows that are super hitting right now. You know, you, Game of right. Thrones used to be our check in call. <laughs> like, right after every like, oh, did you see? I can't believe. And then he'd be like, who is this person? And I'd be like, okay, let me break it down for you. This is what's going on. <laughs> but now he can do that for me. He can tell me the stats and where they're at and where they came from and why we're right, excited. Right. It's lovely. Oh, that's nice. That is really nice. Yeah, sports is great because it doesn't matter so much as long as you keep that in the back of your head as the reason <laughs> sports is great. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Wonderful. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because otherwise, I just, I love sports. I, I can't stand sports media. It just gets very, very You're not trying to have another, like, Rumble in the Palace and I ready to go <laughs> and, like, seeing the big brawls? Right, right. Oof. Just, uh <laughs> What is something you think is overrated, Joel? Okay, here we go. Instagram reels, highly overrated. Please wow. just post to your story. It's there's the same 16 songs, and worse than that, it's the same five second clips from those 16 songs over and over and over again. And they've tricked me because it's got the same scroll <laughs> as a Twitter. And so I'm like, I gotta, what's next? And then like half an hour later, I'm like, why am I still looking at it? I don't care about, and I don't know these people because they're showing me randoms. I very rarely care because the keeper like, here's like white women from middle America doing something like, I don't care about any of these people. Like, where are my friends? What's happening? It is a effed up system that Facebook created so that like young people would continue to interact with their content at a high frequency because they know that influencers were like, they changed up the algorithm. They were like, listen, you got to post, I think it's like twice to your story and three or four times to your reel over so many days. And that's how it's going to keep your numbers up and activated. And your numbers are how you get paid. But reels suck. Like they're not enjoyable to watch right. 85% of the time. And I wish we could end them, but they're addictive. And so I don't think they're going to go away. It's a, That was just their response to be like, okay, we need a little bit longer form thing to compete with TikTok. Right. And, but then you're like, you're saying it's like the same how many times am I going to hear that Paramore still into you drill <laughs> remix? I don't want it. <laughs> when it's like, I should be over all the butterflies. They're like, yeah, but then it's a drill remix. <laughs> okay. Other Wait, songs? so Other I'm songs? not I'm not familiar, but is is they got the rights to these songs and like there's just no, no, a no. handful that Oh, oh, you're it's, just saying that like It's by, just like in TikTok there's like, you know, there's certain of songs, songs yeah. that they'll put with a video trope got it, got and it. it just becomes like the the theme the texture yeah i uh so i don't fuck with instagram that much but God bless you stay away from it and you thought of it like a real like person in the industry like so they got rights and clearances to those audio tracks <laughs> to be presented and publicly you're like hold on jack we're not working I just on thought that would be a right funny now. that would be a funny angle for them to take them where they're like our product is the same but it's you know these 60 songs that we got the rights to <laughs> right. uh, we secured happy birthday so you know, nah, it's like because like on TikTok, it's flagrant. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you do anything. Yeah, but then yeah. there's also a bunch of cool remixes that you hear on there, too. Yeah, for sure. But the Twitter algorithm had this story about I just want to give you a direct quote, but it was like about Zendaya and uh, or Zendaya and uh, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah. Chalamet. And it. Like, it just stayed in my trending for, like, four days. Ew. And I don't know if it's still there, but it, it's, it will not, they will not leave me alone with this shit. And I'm just wondering, like, what they, what they think they're getting. So the story is, Timothy Chalamet called Zendaya out for her relationship with Tom Holland, oh, yeah. and it's peak bestie. Dude, that's like from nine days ago. I feel like I saw yeah. that in the margins mm-hmm. of Twitter like last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was last week for sure. But it was 
uh, it was following me around right. Twitter for like days. And like, I I don't know, like what what do they think? Again, Ooh. I really think it's a, an attempt to get a younger generation to interact more with the app because if you like Zendaya and Timothy are sort of the not dating equivalent of Justin and Brittany from a previous generation. Like they're insanely gorgeous. They are everywhere. Everyone wants to be them. Everyone's copying their styles. You know, there's, and then if you throw into the mix, everyone's sort of like, well, what's Tom Holland thing? Like he's not on the carpets. What does it mean? And Tom Holland's was, it's just, like I think it's, these are, Essentially, and somebody made a good point the other day that Zendaya is the only movie star for this generation. As far as box office appeal, people that are coming back to enjoy Zendaya over and over again. I I just think these are the it people of the moment and everybody's doing whatever they can to be as close to them as possible. Right. Interesting. But again, uh, Senator O'Brien, this hearing was about Instagram Reels. Uh, We will get to your attention why that story on Twitter was in your margin, but that's for a different. I'm just saying, what you own Finsta? (laughs) Why why don't you sell me Finsta then? If it's not such a big part of your uh, sell me three of them products, sell me three Finstas, and uh, we'll be we'll be square. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. I think Twitter is bad at this, which is probably the reason it appeals to me so much. Is like they suck at targeting me <laughs> like i never feel like ah oh, they got me with this one nope right never. yeah it's just like they they have this buzzfeed story that they're getting good sort of feedback on from people across america and they're like come on this guy this guy's gonna fucking love this it says peak bestie let's go He'll read anything He'll read twitter anything. feels like <laughs> it's intentionally designed for like 30 to 50 year olds in the same way yeah. that facebook now feels like it's designed for like 50 to 80 year olds yeah. and i i like being in my group i like hanging out here we're just like words yeah. opinions half funny joke good night yeah like, <laughs> i don't have the i don't have the energy to dance that's for the young kids on no TikTok. they got i don't have time to learn all the new dances god bless them right. like go for it i did the stanky leg in my day shout out to <laughs> shout out to insecure <laughs> for reminding me that existed you know it's cool it's right right exactly they got me out here doing drill moves in front of my Mazda and shit on the street. Ugh, my knees can't handle it. Joel, what is something you think is underrated? Okay, hear me out. Ad breaks in television shows. So I've been Uh, rewatching season three of You, which is on Netflix, formerly on Lifetime, where you need ad breaks because that's how they're paying the bills. Netflix mm -hmm. does not require them. And so therefore, not necessary. But they're like, we're just going to stick to that old format. And there's something exquisite about a show being like, this is a good place to pause. Like, yeah. we designed this for you to step away. It, we were talking about streaming and, and the impact that that has had on, you know, our ability to focus and how it impacts our, like, consuming of what potentially, like, really great shows, but they go by so fast. I think there's something truly wonderful about just being able to be like, I'm just going to pause here. Or even, okay, now take a breath. Like, you can set up a scene you know, from like a writer's perspective, an entirely different space, like a time jump works really well if you've built in and now we're going to commercial break, whether you take right. that break or not. And I think we don't really think about those anymore, you know, especially in the streaming world where every episode is, again, you know, a movie, essentially. Yeah. I really liked it. I liked being able to be like, and I want to pause and grab a snack. This is a bathroom break. Pause. It was just uh, there's something about it that makes I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing or if it's I just genuinely prefer the flow. I liked it. Yeah. I think there's also like, you know, we lose things. Like, remember, you used to be like, if with your parents, you'd be like, okay, let me just to the commercial and then I'll, <laughs> I'll do that thing. You know yes. what I mean? Or like, let me, okay, let me just get to the commercial break and I'll call you back type things. We've, that's like a whole thing we don't do anymore. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like to your point about writing, I see it in like other shows too, where they'll be like on streaming services. Like, I think the other two still does it too, like on mm. HBO Max, where they still have like commercial breaks. And I'm like, that's right. That's kind of like a trope, like within TV shows or just this this thing that you need that, like you're saying, it doesn't create like very jarring time jumps or things like that. Or just it gives you little, you know, punctuation. I like. And, and to be fair, I think there's things like Game of Thrones would never need. You, you don't need to go to commercial break. Like yeah. we're, we're strapped in for this entire experience. Let's rock. But I think if you have a show that sort of lends itself to that, there's. 
it, there's it's almost like chapters, which is like a very essential part of you. The, the main characters are obsessed with books. And so there's like a feeling of like this chapter, this chapter, this chapter, book end. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a great framing device. And what I'm saying is if you write for streaming shows, maybe consider does this framing device elevate my storytelling? Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. I like that somebody being obsessed with books like that feels like quaint and like a quirky character decision. Like this guy's really into these things, books. Y'all like, remember he, that? He fixes. Listen, Jack. If it is women are turned I'm, on by the serial killer, they don't know how to process it. It's okay. it's a lot. He fixes old books. He restores them to perfection. If you're a book girl, bent spines or like when people were like, "Oh, just dog ear the page," used to freak me out as a child. Like, <laughs> what? It's a book. It's yeah. precious. What do you have to be gentle with it? I had a friend much more obsessed with books than I was who would force everyone to wash their hands like properly oh. before you picked up any of her books dead serious about it books are a, a love language if you pay attention okay so yeah. it's like a next level it's not like i read these things called books no. uh, it's, he <laughs> looks like <laughs> wow no he takes care of them because it's the only thing he can connect with because he lives in a fantasy world because he's Got a serial it. killer yes mm. I, i'm into him already that, you would like listen you see Penn badgley you would be I know. I've seen him. Uh, Dan from Gossip Girl? Come on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Callback. Perfect. Yeah. I, he was, like, supposed to be the, like, kind of sensitive, dorky one in mm-hmm. Gossip Girl. And he's, like, the best-looking dude. On the, like, <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. Debatable, yeah, yeah. but yes. Right. I mean, he's a pretty good-looking guy. He's, like, no, for, he's to be, hot. like, the Let's... dork. Like, <laughs> to each their own. We don't want to kick off a whole debate because you, you've seen Jack's binder he brings to class with the yeah. transparent outside filled with his Penn Badgley collages. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And to be fair, I also have some of the other uh, actors from... Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So but it's not just Penn Badgley, but I he know, definitely is. I know. Okay. I just don't want people to think that I'm only in Depen. Uh, no one does, you know. Jack. We said okay, that. Cool. We said that. <laughs> All right. Cool. All good. And that restraining order, I, I get it. Mere miscommunication between the He's... police department, the yeah. superior court, and Penn Badgley's management. I, I, I think it. it's his way of like sending a message to me. It's like his love language is yeah. by making sure. these complaints, but the complaints are actually like flirting, kind of. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Like, oh, get away from me. Like, get at least 500 <laughs> yeah. yards away from me. read it with the right tone, he's definitely into me. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And all right, let's talk about Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. Greg Abbott, the conservative shitbag off that we have been waiting for continues yeah. just going toe to toe on who can be the shittiest governor in America. And Ron is making some serious moves. Yeah, he's he's making kissy face at the anti-vax crowd because he's letting people know, you know, over the weekend, he announced that I want to make this place a haven for unvaccinated cops and first responders. I want them to know that Florida is a place that will accept them and accept them with arms wide COVID. (laughs) And this dude, just listen to his plan. He announces like his his really awesome incentive plan to bring anti-vax to Florida and how cool he is. Just in well, first, I think it's important to point out on a scientific basis, most of those first responders have had COVID and have recovered. So they have strong protection. Uh, and so I think that influences their decision on a lot of this, that they have already had it and recovered. Uh, and so they're, not, they're making no accommodations for that. They're still pretending like that doesn't even exist. Uh, and so that's really, really troubling when you see that. Uh, but I can tell you, Maria, in Florida, uh, not only are we going to want to protect the, the law enforcement and, and all the jobs uh, mm-hmm. we're actually actively working to recruit out-of-state law enforcement because we do have needs in our police and our sheriff's departments so in the next legislative session i'm going to hopefully sign legislation that gives a five thousand dollar bonus to oh. any out-of-state law enforcement that relocates in florida so nypd minneapolis seattle if you're not being treated well uh, we'll treat you better here you can fill important needs for us and we'll compensate you as a result Hell yeah. Oh, sick, dude. Yeah, I mean, we'll I treat you well here. I don't want to call DeSantis here. a hero, but <laughs> wow. What a magnet. Get these cops out of here. I feel like the best thing to do is some other space needs to be like, 
black and brown citizens of Florida, we'll offer you $5,000 to escape. Like, come up right. here, you know, everything is up from Florida. So wherever that means to you, like, come up here, we'll give you a little money. Like, you don't have to worry about it. You can help build beautiful communities away from what you've been thinking about leaving anyway, honestly. Yeah. If you're black and brown in Florida, right. you've contemplated it. He did, He's done it all with this, that little soundbite there he came out swinging with a debunked myth that anyone who has covid is already immune no need for a vaccine because you've already got it yeah why why are they so scared of the vaccine then is it if they've already had it and the vaccine is i mean even he's had the vaccine right again it's this like really just in your face double speak that no one in the base is willing to confront they're like but donald trump all y'all are vaccinated but then saying don't do, what so where does that put me am i a pawn in this game i don't know i uh, maybe but yeah he goes off with that myth then he really just r- truly wants to make himself the patron saint of anti-vaxxers and florida be the church in that like you know just saying come come through because i'll also do the thing true to form to any republican conservative i have to do the exact opposite of what a lib would do and i think in this case maybe he's doing the opposite of de Blasio, who was giving $500 to people to get to workers who got vaccinated. So in this time, he's like, Uh, I'll give you 5,000 to not get vaccinated, leave your job and come here. Still haven't signed the bill yet, so don't move immediately. But it's also, you're like, wow, you you could just find $5,000 for a group of people just like that, huh? Huh. Amazing. Interesting. What would that do to a state if just all the... (laughs) All the first of all, cops, second of all, the ones who refused to get vaccinated, like all moved to a single state like that. That would be I mean, there's that Stallone movie Copland that just paints a picture of, you know, a paradise, a utopia of of (laughs) just cops cops living with cops, running, running everything. And maybe there's a little corruption, but, you know, it's worth it because you get you get to be with cops. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's definitely trying to put it together his like infinity stones for reelection. Where he's like, I've got racists. I've got some <laughs> right. MAGA people. I, I'm I'm about to collect the anti-vax stone and then I'll need QAnon and I will make a mighty fist <laughs> to fucking swing through my reelection. Mm. The most unaccountable people in the country, you know, cops who who get mad when you even watch a video of them unjustifiably murdering someone and ask what they were doing. And then the ones who refuse to get the vaccine on top of that is what what a uh, boost to to the state of Florida. <laughs> Can you imagine a ton of people just moving like bankrupt the state? <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah. fuck, man. Well, not everybody <laughs> at once. Oh, right. shit. OK, so we don't have five thousand. But here, here's a here's a little gift card to Publix. Plus, I feel like every cop wants to end up in Florida anyway. Like, I feel like he might be, you know, they're Miami Vice best lives. Right. Live their Miami Vice best lives or, you know, there's a lot of cops who go down there and retire. I I don't know. Right. Just just seems like he's going to he's going to there's going to be a lot of takers. That's already you can see that New York Times piece. These these unvaccinated police officers moved to Florida in hopes of attaining their Miami Vice dreams. What they found <laughs> was the opposite. What they found will shock you. Uh, <laughs> Please read. These are humans, too. All right. Let's talk about just uh, there seems to be uh, some confusion as to what's happening among business owners. You know, after unemployment benefits were cut a few months ago, we, we got to witness American culture just kind of going to shock. The the logic was if people have no financial support in a pandemic, then they will have no choice but to return to employers and accept the the meager wages, the the gruel more, sir. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that that has not happened. And everyone's like, what the heck? The heck? Even the New York Times is like this. This worker shortage is really fucking Biden. (laughs) (laughs) It's happening every time, like from the beginning of talking about lessening or lowering the subsidies or like unemployment benefits that were extended to people. It's always been like this is going to, you know, the hopes are that more people enter the, the workforce. It didn't happen the first time, the second time, even in September when they took away the $300. We're still the analysis is out there now. Still, nothing has changed. 
absolutely nothing has changed. And, you know, I, I guess this like cruelty first form of policymaking is not having the intended effect. Oh, look at that. So you just look at certain states, right? In states that cut the $300 check, the workforce, which is the number of people who either have a job or are looking for one, has risen no more than it has in the states that maintained the payment. So, eek, uh-oh, so we just took people's money away and it's still not forcing them back to work. And, you know, they've, they've shown in some places that, like, the overall workforce actually shrank that month where they cut off the payments. So it, it went the complete opposite way. There wasn't even an uptick. There's people like, oh, absolutely not. Then fuck it. I'm Because the whole thing is we're not being paid enough to subject ourselves to whatever it is, the shitty work environments, the hard labor, or just maybe the risk of being infected with COVID, just not even arising to a level that is worth it. And then you've seen in even some states there were like less people working than before. Quote, in Wyoming, fewer people are in the workforce now than when the state cut off all emergency jobless aid. Fear of contracting COVID likely discouraged some people from seeking jobs. Wyoming has one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country and has been a COVID-19 hotspot since the late summer. The surge in infections may be causing some parents to keep their children home. So no matter which way you look at it, the turning the cruelty up to 5 million isn't going to force people back to work like and it's odd because every time you'll see like these analyses from like banks and stuff being like oh like quite the opposite seem to have happened huh weird yeah it's yeah forecasters are really uh flummoxed That's yeah a, i feel like i've seen that headline like a, n- a number of times what's yeah I, I feel like there's a whole bunch of contributing factors for like the american workforce being like you know i'm just like on top of i'm not interested in contracting a a deadly virus on top of you know the way we've been treated as workers is ridiculous like the advent of the internet and allowing us like an opportunity to create our own companies and develop money that way i think has changed a lot of people's a lot of people are just like i'm just gonna go for my dream like i could die tomorrow it's very scary out there i might as well try to stand on my i could also die at my walmart job so and i won't have been respected there at all and i wouldn't have enough to make ends meet either way so why don't i just like consolidate my family a lot of families are moving back in together and be like we can cover our bills together as a family mm, right. unit and make it stretch and i think mm. on top of that you have an entire like as the millennium generation becomes the like you know dominant force in the workforce there's a lot of us you know <laughs> i remember in college i got in trouble senior year i was a mentor and we had a panel of professionals come in and they were like, make sure you become an intern. It's going to be vital to your <laughs> career later on that you had a good internship early. You know, Puffy would ride the train every morning, like three hours to get in and work. And I, you know, I was a cocky college kid. So I spoke up. I was like, yeah, OK, but make sure you're, you're getting like, training. <laughs> I was like, make sure that you're getting training. I was like, if you're working for free, you need to make sure that you're getting proper training don't just be taken out the trash to say you worked at a company that's not going to help you and of course this panel of professionals looked like i was absolutely nuts and a lot of the kids too were like well how is that gonna work but when i entered the workforce and they were like you have to intern for free in new york i have no money saved my parents can't afford a new york apartment Mm -hmm. there's just so many things that we couldn't couldn't even conceive of accepting because there wasn't a way to do that You know what I mean? There was not a way to participate. And so now I think a lot of us and and the next kids coming up are like, you know, what is the point of working for, you know, especially if you're like a waiter, like your little 425 or whatever, an hour in hopes of making ends meet when you could be, you know, have good mental health and be at home and try to be your own boss at least. And try and take a breath to figure out what you want to do because the chaos of being in a survival job it's very hard to try and disengage to then switch gears to how can I better myself? Do you, how are you going to have time to go on an interview if you have to max your hours out to pay your bills? It's just a, it's like it becomes an impossible game. And I think just by giving people a little bit of flexibility in that has just given people the ability to take a second, like, wait, do I want to do this? And in fact, maybe there is, I have time to look at other things that are I mean, even if you look at like minimum wage jobs, like a lot of times, your ability to schedule the holidays off. I remember working a job in college that wasn't paying hardly any bills. And they were like, you're going to have to work like four of the major holidays. Like you could have maybe Mm -hmm. Christmas off, maybe Thanksgiving off. 
I don't know, maybe New Year's, whatever the deal was. But otherwise, you have to be working in on the floor. And I saw a text chain going around today, just like in picture form, where a boss was like, listen, someone just got fired. So you're gonna have to come in for Thanksgiving. They're like, well, you can fire my ass too. I'm not coming yeah. in on a holiday. Like, you really want to go down that road? They're like, try me. Right, exactly. Mm. Like, what is the point of, of breaking ourselves for companies that truly don't care one way or the other? Will honestly replace us in a matter of hours, you know, well, in order to keep the, the structure hold up, held up. That was an interesting point that Robin Panakia pointed out in Wonkette as it relates to this, is that like, you know, the she's sort of pointing at the Great Recession of still mm. sort of lingering in a lot of workers' heads, Absolutely. especially if you were of working age at that time, there were no fucking jobs. You would have fucking done anything to get a job, I myself included. And that actually gave a huge advantage to employers to say, well, look, it's a recession, man. I can't. The fuck you going to you going to ask me for yeah. that much money? You're going to ask me for fair wage. It's a recession. And that momentum allowed employers to keep wages low. And also a lot of people were still in that mindset, like the trauma of the recession being like, I don't know, man, because my job fucking vanished in a second. So and, that sort of yeah. lingering stress also contributes to people accepting these situations as well, because we're still kind of like, fuck, that's right. That's still kind of in the back of my head is like how I was completely set back by the recession. But, you know, it's it. There's still despite the economy recovering, a lot of employers are like, well, come on now, don't make me t turn the wages up just because the economy's better than when I was first offering these pittances. And they ask. You know, they asked the entire population to ignore what was revealed. Like it was never the Great Recession was basically these massive capitalist institutions being revealed to be fucking shell games, like just mm. unequivocally. And then the government gave them the money to bail them out instead of the the people who they had victimized. Like and that that's just like that that's not something that people can ignore like that that the fact that that is not being brought up as like huh i wonder if that has something to do with why people have completely lost faith in this system and institution where like we're supposed to let the fucking market decide when the market has been revealed to be a rigged game that you know is only benefiting these massive institutions and victimizing like most of the population and they just, you know, they just hope that we ignore that. And it, it's like the, the people aren't stupid. Like they can't ignore that. It's impossible for them to. It's just a difference in realities, right? The For people who are, you know, the massive business owning class, they're so insulated by their wealth. They're not experiencing the same external existential factors that motivate a person that someone who is in their employ would, you know, yeah. because if you're a millionaire, the concept of paying your bills has not been a, a reality for you for some time. The idea yeah. that like everything's on auto pay, you have an accountant or whatever, like there's no that dimension of toil is completely abstracted to, to that person. And then on another, but they're still applying their sort of worldview to a group of people who is feeling every single external factor and not willing to be like, oh, right. There's a whole other set of factors that affects them. That's why my stupid, evil, genius calculus is malfunctioning at the moment, because I'm operating from a reality that isn't being reflected in the data set I'm trying to manipulate. So, well, I think yeah. like, the American people have been asked to sacrifice like a lot, especially I would say maybe of the last like since the late 90s. It's been like, oh, well, you know, we. I mean, if I specifically were to look at like nine eleven, like listen, you have to sacrifice some some securities, some liberties, some this ideal of personal freedom in an attempt to like make your country safe. And then later it was like, well, we're all going through the recession. Like we'll all tighten our bootstraps and we'll help our neighbor and it'll be fine. And America is one of the most giving as far as like when it comes to charities. Like we're one of the most charitable mm -hmm. countries on the planet. Like we're constantly giving money. And I think as we've looked at like what we've had sacrifice versus what we're getting later. It's, it's not been equitable for most people. For most people, yeah. there's been nothing coming out of that sacrifice except the same wages for the past like 15 years. I mean, remember when we were like, uh, minimum wage has got to be like, at least when we were like, it was supposed to be this much five, 10 years ago, but we'll accept oh, yeah. it now. It's just, it's been an exhausting slug just for any kind of, 
decent pay. You know, we keep and it's wild to me that we have to keep looking back to the 60s and being like, look at what money could buy you then. Like, look at what like one contributing household member could give right. to a family. And we haven't had any of that in a very long time that is equal to it. Most people can't afford, you know, a two bedroom apartment on their salary. You know, most of us are either living with a partner and splitting bills that way or, or, you know, roommates, whatever the situation may be. So I think people are just tired of having to sacrifice and get nothing. And there's seems at least from my, you know, very liberal, I live in Los Angeles, California point of view to be a lot of folks turning to each other and being like, how can we help and just make our little situation yeah. more livable? Yeah. The, yeah, your point about families consolidating, like people looking more to community, I think is a really interesting development because that, you know, I, I think broadly, like the more that we see this story develop, the more we see America treat their population like enemy combatants, like, mm-hmm. Ameri- like you know, there's the, we've talked about Foucault's boomerang, which is like when empire goes, like uses all these new tools of war in countries that they're occupying, but then they come back home and they're used on the population, the citizens at home. So we're seeing that, that the police generally just treat, you know, police communities that they aren't a part of and treat them as enemy combatants. I mean, America, this strategy, like when when you look at what this strategy is, it's trying to starve them out, (laughs) like trying to starve, Mm -hmm. starve out people who are like in quarantine because of a global pandemic. And that, you know, at some level that is making its way into people's minds. And so, you know, I think the system is headed for a fall and people are starting to ask, like, what? what is next like the there's this book about the history of debt that i'm reading by david graber where he talks about how all of economics is built on this assumption that like economies and money replaced barter systems where like one person had a cow and the other person had like knives and like it's just this wildly inefficient thing And the mistake that people make that the economists are making is they're assuming that everything is just these individual actors and not like what actually happened was there were these vast communities that worked Mm -hmm. together to collect resources and, you know, help one another. And the absence of community seems to have been like something that is just making like the country socially like ill in a lot of ways and like Mm -hmm. leading to some of the movements that we're seeing on social media that are you know very misguided and that it's yeah altruism has completely vanished right i think it's something that we're we're well it's out there it's just harder to see because it's not happening on the internet like there's do you guys know about the fridge project Mm -hmm. like it's like one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen like there's just no like the idea of like here's a bit a small business usually who's like listen we'll pay for the electricity for this fridge prop it up outside people who have a little extra money buy a couple extra groceries you know try to make it some fresh produce something delicious pop it in the fridge and whoever needs it no questions asked you don't have to check in you don't have to sign it out there is no you don't have to explain yourself just come and take what you need and then keep it pushing and, and the community will do its best to try to provide for those who don't have i think that's like and it's happening all over the united states i just think it's like there's a lot of like little pockets of these really beautiful community efforts. Yeah. And I think we'll probably continue to see more of that, you know, for as long as businesses try to hold yeah. out. Um, mutual aid is just going to be a necessity at a yeah. certain point rather than like something people who are, have the foresight to do to, to like support people in their community. And it's like it's going to have to be how some people are going to survive. And yeah, I mean, more to say that altruism, there's clearly a there's a subsection of society where altruism does not exist. It's not something sure. that interests them. And it seems very well defined. Like you can just say, oh, this is this is like the anti-altruism people. Like there, there's nothing that they owe any fucking body. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wait, I, I'm just calling a shot here that the uh, right or, you know, even the center will find a way to like create a story where communal fridges are being like targeted by thieves who are or people who are 
Like basically the, the welfare queen equivalent of <sighs> the communal fridge where they'll be like, they're, yeah, they're, they're opening their own grocery stores because that's how much that undercuts like what is at stake. You know, it's funny. People try that angle already because you'll see it in stories like where people will ask, not like trying to create that narrative like, oh, are you worried about people like taking stuff they don't need? And most people who are like run these fridges or like behind these organizations are like, no, not I'm not worried about that at all. If someone has to take food, that's I'm grateful that there's a place for them to do that. And I'm it only reminds it should only fill other people with gratitude that they don't have to go to a community fridge to survive. So yeah. it's moot to even consider what happens after that, because mm-hmm. it's not like you got like, oh, man, we got all these freshly cultivated truffles from Italy. Like, <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's not like it's fucking right. just it's 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 food to sustain yeah. people. There's not like, you know, Pokemon cards that you could flip for thousands <laughs> of dollars in there. I actually have to run to my community fridge. Uh, I, ju- I just realized that I shouldn't have put those Pokemon cards in there. That didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. The. Yeah, it's just so counter to the the core logic. Like like we we talked about on an episode last week that like the mainstream media was covering the hell out of this story about Walgreens being victimized by like oh. systemic shoplifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Walgreens like the story they'd rather tell than the story of commun- communal fridges is the story of how a corporation is being victimized, in mm-hmm. quotes, by a fucking person who is in such desperate need that they're, you know, stealing from them. And, like, that right. that's what America, like, goes for. It's the same thing like, happened yeah. with Target a few months ago, and then it came out that Target was, you know, responsible for all of this wage theft, which is something that stores monitor so heavily they're Walgreens like, too. No, you got to go to the bathroom before you clock in or it's wage theft. You're like, I don't think that's correct, mm, actually. No. I'm we here. don't pay you to pee. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. You got time clean. You got time clean. Can I think for two seconds before I move on to my next task? Like, all of those. I mean, I worked Old Navy. I worked at an AMC. I worked <laughs> so many, like, bum, like, make nothing. But, you know, they need everything out of you. And you need to constantly be on call and be ready to show up whenever and it's all about t- it's it's, just, uh, it's exhausting, and it's, I'm glad people yeah. are saying no to it. I'm glad we're seeing you know a number of people try to unionize like across a whole bunch of different workforces. Like it's it's been beyond time that you know workers try to get the protections and the wages that you know they need. Oh, yeah. One thing that I just want to add is like I feel like when people talk about crime, especially people who are so critical about like this, this stuff is I can't believe they're shoplifting. A thing they never engage in is to ask why they don't f- shoplift, right? you know, and go down that road mm-hmm. and ask, oh, I can't believe that. Well, like, well, why don't you don't shoplift? No. Oh, my God. I would never do that. Why? Probably because they say, because I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then you have to go. So, huh? What's the real problem here? You think? Is it that people are just shoplift? Because if, if you're saying you're not shoplifting because you have everything you need, presumably you're saying. People who have nothing shoplift, right? You can, you're acknowledging that. So then let's go down that road rather than, man, Walgreens, though. They're having to offset some of their financial liability by closing stores, but we'll spin it as this massive shoplifting conspiracy. It's just, yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, talk about strawberry Pop-Tarts. And we're back. And, you know, this is a story that I feel like the mainstream media kind of bloodstream is very, you know, is craving recently for some reason. And that is stories about lawsuits where somebody sues a food manufacturer for not having like the thing that they claim inside. The real shit. The real shit. You know, Subway Tuna. Yeah, Subway Tuna was one example. And now... We have strawberry Pop-Tarts. I, it's just, you know, and they fall into, some feel like histrionic lawsuits. Yeah. And others maybe, and sometimes certain lawsuits do read like, oh, this person is actually mad. <laughs> this is not real cookies mm-hmm. and cookie crisp. Um, but in this instance, this <laughs> is all cookies. around 
the frosted <laughs> strawberry pop tart i think is a staple thing you grow up eating is a pop tart i barely ever toasted them i just you would just take that foil just pack eat them raw just, oh no oh yeah i'm nasty because <laughs> sometimes it'll get too hot or the bottom will get burnt and then i'm like fuck i'm not eating no burnt burnt pop tart i remember i think that's what happened instead of four miles you get that perfect toasted you know what happened center no it was like typical like hardcore mom shit where my mom made a pop tart and i was like this is kind of burnt on the bottom she's like then you do it yourself and i'm like i will cut to me never toasting them because i don't respect the effort my mother put in it even trying to fucking toast a pop tart but in this instance in the southern district of illinois uh plaintiff anita harris quote alleges that kellogg's claims about its frosted strawberry Pop-Tarts are misleading since, quote, they give consumers the impression the fruit filling contains a greater relative and absolute amount of strawberries than it does. The filling, mm-hmm. the filing goes on to state that despite strawberries being the product's, quote, characterizing ingredient on the actual ingredients list, dried strawberries don't get a mention until the contains 2% or less section. I get mm-hmm. it, Anita. And then they go on, quote, based on a quantitative estimate and analysis of the filling, it appears to or may even contain more non-strawberry fruit than strawberry ingredients (laughs) to give consumers the false impression that the product contains a greater absolute and relative amount of strawberries than it does. It contains Red 40, a synthetic food coloring made from petroleum. (laughs) Red 40 makes the strawberry pear apple combination look bright red like it is only strawberries or has more strawberries than it does. (laughs) I mean... This is this like the Watergate of Pop-Tarts, I guess. I, I mean, more than anything, I just think of like, America, hello, we've been eating processed food since forever, and I hope people out there don't believe that it's all just like organic, mushed up strawberries in your very cheap Pop-Tarts. That's not what's happening. I have all. so many thoughts. Like... For one, obviously, American food IQ is very low. And I think yeah. it's lower, the lower your wages are, right? The the less money you have to spend at the grocery store, the less you have experimenting with new food. Um, yeah, or you're in a food desert because of that. And your options are truly limited to these things in a box. Yeah, right. These prepackaged items. And so the idea that it, it's like definitely silly to read because it's like, have you tasted a pop tart? There's <laughs> nothing authentic about what's happening in your mouth as you eat the pop tart. Cinnamon sugars were my bag, and I knew what was happening in there. Okay, it's not even it. They didn't grind up like fresh cinnamon sticks, and it's no. Um, I also understand this idea of feeling tricked. Like when I first started learning about food, which was like mid college of like what's in this and how do I prepare it and and what goes into all of these things like it was like a mind freak of just like how how have I been eating and 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 what does the future look like for me because now I have this knowledge but I have no money to correct what I'm consuming to continue to eat these terrible things just because mm-hmm. that's what is within my financial bracket and so I get where Miss Anita is coming from. She's frustrated. She wanted some strawberries. She's trying to give her kids a healthy breakfast. You know, cereal companies lied. They told her it was part of a complete breakfast. It's just sugar. Yeah. Where did she go? Well, How don't did look she into do the this? founder of Kellogg's too much. No, don't. Yeah. He would not like where his company has ended. He's very frustrated or just by listen it. Listen to the behind the bastards. That's <laughs> a good episode. Yeah. Mr. Kellogg. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, and I, that's why I'm like, uh, I understand, like, that's why some things really feel like this is, like, this can be, this is how I feel. You know, like, this is, this, this feels like duplicitous and deceptive. I totally get that. But then the, I know there's also a category of people who are just looking to file these lawsuits, kind of like those, like, sure. serial, like, ADA filers that were around a couple years ago who would just, like, go around and be like, I'm suing you for this. Like, this ramp's not here. Or you could settle out of court. You know what I mean? Like, just mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. trying to just get a quick settlement. But in this sense, more than like Anita and her case or Pop-Tarts, it's just like sort of this interesting thing that a lot of people still like hold in their minds that like it's like it could all be fake to cut corners to maximize profits for the company that's making the food while putting all these really nice graphics on the box. And that's where I'm kind of like, I want the do your own Vax research crowd. Please bring this energy to the food you're eating because... You might very quickly be like, oh, my God. Or they're going to be like, I love petroleum-based food diets. Yeah. I what One thing, the, the food lawsuits are generally something that, similar to the shoplifting story that we talked about before the break, that 
people like the American like shared consciousness tends to side with McDonald's over the person whose coffee like sure. burnt them. And it turns out like the when you read the actual details of that story, the woman who sued McDonald's for spilling hot coffee on herself like that's the way the story is told to us and the truth is that it was dangerously hot something that they had like she she had lifelong damage yeah something they had you know articulated in paperwork this yeah this lawsuit gets at something like yeah joel you know you you were red 40 pilled when (laughs) when you read about like what actually goes into into the food and it's something that we like a lot of times don't have the the money to do anything about or the the like i guess in my case the characterizing ingredient of frosted strawberry pop tarts are the sugar? different colored little sugar specks in the icing oh yeah <laughs> like I'm, I'm like that's really what i'm what i'm going for here is this should taste oh, like yeah. a strawberry sundae. I would cut the edges off sometimes. I'd, oh, yeah. I'd be like, I just want all frosting bites. Oh. All frosting bites. Or I like trim off the sides. Mom's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I want the good part. The yeah. sugar. <laughs> I not, and they're not strawberries, Mom. Don't try and tell me. It's candy. And also, Joel, I don't often hear the cinnamon sugar one shouted out as much as it should be. That, that one is types. such a great Did you like tart. the s'mores one? No, I don't uh, like marshmallows. Mm. Oh, just I thought in general. it was. Yeah. I thought it was solid. Yeah, I was on the s'mores one for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the s'mores one as a kid, but strawberry was that. That felt just like the the crowd pleaser joint. But I guess yeah. the way I look at it too is, I think I would always. I think because my mom with her like post World War II Japan diet, it was very like you know rural. Like you know, you're eating like food that you're making or cultivating and things like that. So when she was raising me. I would always be like, that's just all, it's all fake food. It's all fake. I'm like, yeah, but it's good, mom. And the kids right. won't make fun of me if I know what this is. Okay, please help <laughs> me. I'm trying to assimilate. But they're also like, I think in my mind, I've always been like, okay, I know I'm going to be eating some things that aren't healthy. And I'm always just kind of balancing out, like knowing what, knowing how much fake food you eat and then you get your vegetables and then you find a balance. I am not a nutritionist. Just for the record. <laughs> That's right. Have me speak at your school. Joel, what uh can you hit us briefly with uh you your thoughts on you season three and Woo! like because I do I see this Back all over you, the yeah. place. I see yes. the I see the feedback that this is a cultural phenomenon that all I so uh before we started recording, I was like, Yeah, isn't it about a toxic relationship? <laughs> and you <laughs> revealed to me it's about a serial killer. So looking for yes, love. Nailed Listen, it. Joe Goldberg is the main character of you. And if season one was about discovering that a lot of romantic tropes are actually toxic and coming to mm. terms with that, and season two was about flipping the script and what happens when Joe meets a toxic woman who's also willing to become a serial killer for his love. Then season three is about what is it like to be in, if when two people are are in toxic relationship with one another and they're trying, like they're really trying to make this marriage work, but neither one of them is in it for anything like the right reasons. They're in it for the look. They're in it for the baby they've just had. They're in it because it's the logical next step. It's what you're supposed to do. This show's ability to imprint modern romantic ideation onto a serial killer is bananas. Like It's so... Sarah Gamble is in her bag for this. And she has done so much great TV. She did The Magicians before this. I think she was a writer on Supernatural before. She's been in the game for a very long time. Okay. She's extremely talented. And... There's something so spectacular about this show because what I've seen a little bit here and there and something that I can easily identify is like, I love Joe so much. Like, understanding that he's a terrible person, but for the character, you're still sort of rooting for him to succeed because they're constantly reflecting on his childhood trauma. How did he become this way? And he has this lie he keeps telling himself, which is like, I'm going to get better and I don't have to do this. No, you know, Joe's not going, he's 
not going to break this habit because he's not really doing anything, but he wants to. If you're in therapy, you might be able to identify. <laughs> you're like, I'm really oh, yeah. trying you're to like, change. I'm aware of my patterns. Part I'm one is becoming aware. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you're like, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to, today, I'm not going to make the same bad choices I made yesterday. My behavioral therapist and I are working really hard at it. But I need, I need, what if I just a little bit of it just to get me through, no you know, the next today, couple of days. No bludgeoning today. No bludgeoning today. <laughs> it's, like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be good. This is the first, like watching Joe be with a woman who, again, in the same boat of, I'm going to change my behaviors and I'm more aware and really not doing anything to fix the problem. But watching him be married to her and seeing her struggle and try to do all the things that like women who have just become mothers who are tired, who are no longer feeling their like young, powerful, sexy selves who are like, how do I make, you know, myself a good partner to this person? And him just being like, now I'm fixated on a new girl. Oh, it was like, right, right. it was so oh, wow. hard. It was such it's a challenge. Hard. I was like, Joe, what are you doing? Like, she's really trying. I mean, she's genuinely terrible and you guys should not be together, but she's trying like you try now and it's awful, but it's so good. I'm I, intrigued. You would love it. Uh, if you're into literary references, there are maybe nine an episode, like really strong, fun, good literary references. The structure of it is incredible. The writing is powerful. All of the performances out of this world. This season, the smallest, smallest spoiler. You skip ahead 10 seconds. The new girl is just attracted to bad men. And there's as someone mm. who's been in that boat, like... it's. <sighs> They're just types of characters and tropes that you don't generally get to explore and live in. And I think especially today, because a lot of people are like, we need likable people. We need good people on the show because that's what we like. And to be fair, there's a lane for that. Ted Lasso was in that lane. The Good Place was in that lane. These are people who right. are genuinely want to be good human beings. And I love it. But I'm also very much pro evil person is the lead and i just i love Root for the Dad. evil guy yeah i love rooting for the evil person just because life is hard and you know most of us are not trying to be evil and so it's a little bit cathartic to watch somebody who's like f it i'm gonna just be terrible i don't care right. i'm embracing my evil side and i this show does that so well while also exploring i think what is it to try to be in a romantic relationship in modern times and does it in a way that's so much better than like 98 other prisoner shows that are mostly about the people ending up together, still sort of stuck in that right. fairy tale ideal. Uh, this blows that apart. There is no fairy tale here. And it's so I mean, that's always a, awesome. a good sign. Like, and that's also really, that's why I, I'm the same. I love shows where you find yourself rooting for the bad guy. And oh, that's yeah. born out of just tremendously fantastic next level writing because you can't do a show like that and have bad writing. And when oh, you do, like, dude, this show is so fucked. It's like so problematic. The narrative doesn't even make sense. <laughs> But when you have this, like you're saying, you're like, this guy's a fucking serial killer. Yeah. But you kind of you're rooting for him. You want him to find love. I'm like, oh, I can. That means they're setting it. They're setting the table right. So it's a hot mess, but in the best what, way. Yeah. That's why I like Squid Game, because like, you know, despite ourselves, we all find ourselves rooting for that rich guy in the black mask who like set the whole thing up. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. What episode are you on, man? <laughs> Oh, I like they just did the tug of war, and it's like I don't know. He's giving them fun <laughs> stuff to do. This sounds good. This place is going somewhere, <laughs> man. <laughs> I just think he's he's a guy with ideas. Uh, you know, some some real and he's estate. Like bilingual, where he can, I think it's really yeah, cool. So that's pretty tight. All right, Joel. As always, such a pleasure having you. Oh, lovely to be back. Where can people find you and follow you? Yeah, you guys can find me on the internet, all over the internet at Joel Monique. It's J O E L L E. Nope, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. There's an underscore on Instagram. But it's the same thing. You'll find me. Either way, are we doing tweets today? Yeah. Tweets you love? Okay, I got one from Andrew Lloyd Webber. Just <laughs> great. Listen Hell to this. Yeah. Okay, thank you for those who attended my first ever DJ set last night at the Majestic Phantom oh. Opera block party. Excited on what could be next for me. Broadway, London, Ibiza. And then he signs it ALW. His tweet, he signed it. Listen. I mean... That's so that beautiful and Lloyd random. Shit. I wow. love it. If you, Andrew Lloyd Webber, is, trying new is things. Is there any footage of that? Yes, there is. You can. I will send it to you. You can watch it online. Is he Andrew like? Webber. Is he like? Is he like putting one hand up for like the drop? And he's like, there's an he's entire like, audience the outside. Real quick. <laughs> there's an entire audience outside. It does look a little bit like Abisa, except it's the opening for Phantom of the Opera, is returning oh, to shit. Broadway in New York. Wow. Hey, okay. lighters in the sky. 
Stunning. Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also, the other show, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra, where we talk this show, 90 Day Fiance. Tweets I like. First one is from at Love Dove Clark with an E on the end. Tweeted, why are there sports bars, but not cute bars where you could sip wine and cheer for competitive cooking shows? Yes. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. The Great same way. idea. I, I talked about this with Sophia, like like real like a reality show bar where like mm. when the show is on, people come Sundays, it's on and everybody's like, ah, turn it yeah. up because they can't believe the bullshit they're seeing. Yes. Reality bars coming soon. There's plenty Damn. of seating some, there. The wine is Great plentiful. Idea. Yeah, uh, the waiters are hot, yeah. but not too hot. You know, like obtainable. Not a distraction, but cute that right. they that they spur conversations at the table. Be like, is it just me or is the waiter like mad cute? And they're like, yeah. oh my god, I was just thinking now, what is it about them exactly? And these are how we set these places up. They're oh my god. Anyway, and then the next tweet is from at Cava T Cat Charlotte Moore Lambert tweeted. The tweet is described as the domestication of dogs. Wolf, I'm gonna eat your babies, human. What if instead of that, blankets and peanut butter? Wolf, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> Would the decor of the reality bar be like those wine things, like wine o'clock, like wine decorations? Or no, they that, look like the I confessionals. Miss- it's so it's all like a very plush seating, uh, yeah. bright. All the light is Wonderful. Instagram ready. There's Decadent. florals everywhere. Yeah. Every booth is an Instagram backdrop. That's what that's right. how Joelle and I have designed this Just space. Yes. That yeah. no matter where you are patronizing the business, it's mm-hmm. going to force someone to it's a photo op, no matter where you are. And that's how we generate more organic user-generated marketing materials. Mm-hmm. Look, mm-hmm. Jack, we can talk about this later you on guys when I show you the packet, but we need yeah. guys to come in at the two hundred thousand dollar level. Um, <laughs> and we can kind of get this thing rolling. Um all right. A tweet I've been enjoying between Tufans at Tufan. Tufan uh, <laughs> Najafi? Yeah. Najafi. Hey! <laughs> he tweeted. That's my boy. Timothy Chalamet sounds like the name of a very wealthy mouse. <laughs> and I agree. I also just found out Timothy Chalamet is the offspring of like a very wealthy, like a bunch yes. of very wealthy producers. All your favorites are rich. Never forget. If you have yeah. a favorite, go look up their parents. They're rich. Damn. Rich. Rich parents, and also really? like, uh, and also like legacy in the industry that they're like the people who break through young tend to be pretty pretty mm-hmm. well connected. Your Jasons, Schwartzman, etc. Yeah. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at the Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, DailyZeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. We look look off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song that we think you should go check out. Miles, what song do we think people should go check out? Go check out this track. It's called Already by Rochelle Jordan, and it's just got this fucking 90s just house vibe, but it's modern. I just like how these like 90s house sort of tropes are coming back. Like in some of the promo materials, she's wearing like an all pleather outfit with her braids. I'm like, this is giving me to unlimited CNC music factory type <laughs> shit. So listening to this track is definitely a time warp. I think she's from Toronto by way of London. So check out this just just wonderful house track with a little bit of soul behind it already by Rochelle Jordan. All right, well, we're going to link off to that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning, but we are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. 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 <laughs> 